Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. You know, the Christmas story is uh, some high theology. God came from heaven to bring redemption to men. And uh, as Caleb sang that song and told us about it, you know, such a deep truth that from the time that man sinned, God made a plan to redeem us. And that plan was to send Jesus his son. You know, and as we spend uh, the weeks before Christmas, you know, with the Advent wreath, and here are, no, it hadn't gone out. You say, our third candle's about gone. It's hard to keep candles going. But you know, we, we looked first week at hope. That Jesus is our only hope. Our only hope for eternal life. Our only hope for abundant life. And He is our mighty hope for heaven. And one day He's coming back. Then we looked at the second week, we looked of Advent, we looked at the message of peace. That through the cross of Christ, He made peace on our behalf with Almighty God who demanded judgment from sin. Oh, what a glorious thing that that is. We also talked about peace, that that peace, that peace that delivers us from the penalty of sin, also delivers us in the midst of storms. Hope you remember that. Several times since I have, uh, I have been faced with and have thought about just a little storm. Hang on to peace. Christ gave us peace. He is our peace. And, and today we, we talk about joy. Joy. You know, if I were to walk around with a microphone like I did last week, and I almost did, but I decided not to. And ask the question, what brings you joy? My guess is that I would have far more participation than what I had last week. Because there is, there is so much in our lives that bring us joy. You know, if I were to go around and ask that question, I, I think that, that the answers would be about as vast as there are people here. We would, we would have some that said, you know, the, uh, what brings me joy are my kids or my grandkids or family or church. For the kids, it may be seeing the presents wrapped under the tree that brings you. Maybe the adults, too. I don't know. But we'd have lots of different things that we would list on that that, uh, that brings us joy. And, and it may sound silly, but I, but I want to I wanna talk for a minute about what, what joy is. <clears throat> and you say, Pastor, that's kind of silly. Everybody knows what joy is. Everybody knows what joy is, but, but in looking at my own life and in my own heart, I think sometimes I don't even know 
what joy is. Or at least I forget what true joy is all about. As I was, as I was reading this week, um, one source said that the Bible teaches that joy is an extreme happiness that cannot be deterred by present circumstances. Joy comes from God alone. End quote. Joy can be experienced when a Christian thinks about salvation or about eternal life or about Jesus. It is an eager anticipation about wonderful things to come. The definition, in quote, said, It is a wonder, an eager anticipation about wonderful things to come. I like that because it takes into account a passage in James chapter 1. You guys are probably familiar with it. James tells us this. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. That you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. A joy, a joy that comes in the midst of trials. You know, as I was thinking about that, you know, when, when he said consider it all joy, it's like that's a past tense thing. That's a future looking viewpoint. James is not telling us necessarily that we need to be joyful in the midst of, of trying circumstances. He's saying be joyful because we know that going through those circumstances will bring us out on the other end closer to the Lord, more mature, holier, in a place that we are complete, he says, lacking in nothing. So joy has a future sense. Joy looks past the immediate trials, knowing that God is going to use it for our good. You know, I've said that a lot lately. You know, that we, we, we need to keep preaching that good news of joy to ourselves, to get through the trials, to, get to, to look for the end, to praise God and have joy to the end, because our God is good and our God promises to, we'll, he'll be there with us for us to make it through. Another, another definition that I read said this, that happy state that comes from knowing and serving God. That happy state that comes from knowing and serving God. And, and, and right away with those first two definitions, the, the first thing that we learn about joy is that it's, it's God-given. It's God-centered. It is not something that we do ourselves. And, and, I, and I believe, I believe that, it's, that it's right. You know, but, I mean, the, the word joy in, in the Bible is, is translated, you know, in our English word some 150 times, if you include the word rejoice, right, which just is the active part of joy, right? Rejoice is verbal. Rejoicing is action of, of what we know in our hearts and our, and our lives to be. In English, we have lots of different words for that, don't we? We use, we use words like uh, um, happiness, delight, pleasure, gladness, all kinds of different words. Joy 
is the fruit of a right relationship with God. Galatians chapter 5, 22 tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that is produced by the Spirit of God in our lives. It is not the same thing as pleasure. And I, and I think at times that's where, that's where I get messed up, Right? Is that, is that sometimes it seems like my joy may be dependent upon something else that is really just pleasure. And the Bible, the Bible distinguishes joy from pleasure. The Greek word for pleasure in the Bible that we get is, is, the, is the same word that we basically get our word hedonism from. And that's a scary word, right? Hedonism, the philosophy of self-centered pleasure-seeking, self-centered pleasure-seeking. So, you know, I would have to ask, you know, that as, as I ask you, right, what brings you joy? I don't want to show a hands, but how much of it perhaps was self-centered pleasure-seeking? must be careful about that. Paul referred to false teachers, right, as lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So joy and pleasures are not the same thing. In fact, the Bible warns us, right, that, that indulgent pleasure-seeking does not lead to happiness and fulfillment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we, we have the story of King Solomon, right, where King Solomon tells us of all of the pleasures that he pursued. That he, he, he was the wisest man that ever lived. He had all of the riches, all of the power to seek pleasure in any form that he desired. He speaks of palaces and gardens and possessions, gold and silver, art and treasure, <clears throat> relationships with wives and concubines. I mean, he had it all. He tried it all. In fact, he says in Ecclesiastes 2, Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. And yet, when it was all said and done, Solomon has to say this. He said, it's all vanity. It's all empty. It was grasping for the wind. It was meaningless. So you see, in, in looking for joy, he sought pleasure. And, and you know, I think, I think sometimes, I don't think Solomon's by himself in doing that. I know I sense it at times, even if just momentarily, and I'll give myself the benefit of the doubt. Right? I, I sense it in myself, right, that, uh, that, that if only I had fill in the blank. Or if, if only I could fill in the blank, then, right, then I'd be happier. You know, my mom, I remember my mom <laughs> several times uh, telling us that we were killjoys. You guys heard that term, killjoy? Right? Usually it was probably when my sons, her grandchildren, wanted to do something that dad wouldn't let them do. Right? 
No, son, the ice is not thick enough on the pond for you to get on. Moms say, oh, you're a killjoy. No, son, you're too little to ride the four-wheeler or to drive the mule. Oh, you're a killjoy. I mean, you guys, I mean, you sense the usage of it. Well, you know that many people have this idea or perception of God that God is the world's biggest killjoy. And, and it's just absolutely, there is nothing that could be a bigger lie than that. There's nothing that could be a bigger lie than God being a killjoy. God himself knows joy and he wants, he wants his people to know joy. If you're taking notes, then I'm not going to read these passages of Scripture, but in Psalm chapter 104 and in Isaiah chapter 65, both of those passages, each one of those passages speaks of God Himself rejoicing over His creative works, rejoicing within Himself of the things that He had done. God is a rejoicing God. He also speaks of rejoicing, God rejoicing over His redeemed people. He says that His his people who will be to Him a joy. Did you ever think about that? That not only does, does God give us joy, but you are a joy to God. I'm telling you, that ought to make you happy. That ought to to give you joy. You know, the joy joy of God is found throughout the Christmas story. You know, and and I know this is Christmas, and I'm supposed to be preaching on Christmas, and I haven't so far yet today, but the joy of Christmas is found throughout the Christmas story. If you you think about it, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, which I've which we've, we've read and we've talked about each week of these, of these prophecies, right? It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Light. Can I tell you, that's, that's a prophecy of joy. Darkness to light. You know, as I, as I was reading that and, and, and thinking about that, I, I thought about a phrase that we hear often in these days. And I, I don't know, I mean, we have for a long time, I guess, but it seems more prevalent to me than, than maybe it has in, in the times past. But, but it's not unusual to hear people say or to read of somebody writing or to hear a, a testimony or, or whatever of somebody to say, I was in a very dark place. You guys, I mean, you, you heard that? You know what I mean? You know, we've heard that. You know, I, I was in a very dark place. Now, fortunately, most of the time when people say that, it's in past tense. Praise God for that. Right? I was in a very dark place. But we know that being in a dark place, and, 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 you know, and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to put probably a definition to that. 
But can I just say, I think that being in a dark place, would, would being in that state of mind that is void of peace, is void of joy. I'm not used to people coming up and sitting on the front row while I'm preaching. <laughs> Welcome, Brother Allen. So that dark place is a, is a place that's void of peace, void of joy. And you know, and I, and I think that even if only momentarily, we've all experienced that. And, and some, some to a deeper extent or some to more frequently probably than others. You know, but, you know, as I look out and see you, Right? I know that the holidays for some bring a sense of sorrow. Well, you know what? If nothing other than just momentarily, that's a dark place. And I pray that it's only momentarily. Because as we're going to see and as we, all, as we already know, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, we know that eternal life gives us joy. Hope of heaven gives us joy. God eternal that is always with us gives us joy. But there, are, but there are times when we forget those things, right? Or I, I know that we have folks in our midst that are, that are looking at unknown doctor's diagnoses or, or even perhaps, you know, bad diagnoses that are not good. And, you know, and if even for a little while those cause us to go to a dark place. And, and, it's, and it's the reason that I keep saying that, that we have to keep preaching this gospel to ourselves, Because there's none of us that are, that are immune from, from falling into, into those places and, and seeing that. But you know the, the story of Christmas is a story of joy. And even, even in what might be considered a dark place, it is still seen as joy. You know, I think about the, the angel Gabriel that came to that young teenage girl, Mary. You guys know she was a young teenage girl, right? And the thing that the angel said first was this, rejoice! Rejoice! You're going to have a baby. It took a minute. Right? How could this be? She said. Now, she responded better than Zacharias. When Zacharias was told that, that his wife Elizabeth was going to get pregnant in her old age and have a son, Zacharias said, how do I know what you're telling me is true? It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Gabriel says, my name's Gabriel, and I come from the presence of God. What do you mean? How do I know it's true? I mean, he didn't say that. That's Marty adding that. But Mary didn't do that. But it took a minute. But Mary comes back. You remember, you remember the Christmas story? Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was soon to be the mother of John the Baptist, who was a 
gift from God between Zacharias and Elizabeth. And the scripture records that when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house and greeted her, that Elizabeth said, when you greeted me, when the sound of your voice was heard, the baby that was inside me leapt for joy. Joy. Mary goes on after that encounter, right, to record what's known as the Magnificat. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Joy. She experienced joy. While at the same time had to have been kind of in a dark place. Now let's move to the birth of the Savior in Luke chapter 2. I'm sorry, I've always got lots of scripture, but that's just the way it is. Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 through 12, we've read some of that. Deacon, in fact, read a, read a portion of it for us this morning. It's what we know as a major part of the Christmas story. Now that we're in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. In the living translation of the Bible, it says this. It says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. The good news that the angel brought that day, the good news that brings joy, is that the saving God sent the Savior Jesus to redeem sinners. And that news produces great joy. Joy that the the apostle Peter, as he talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter describes it as a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, which is reserved for those whose sins have been forgiven through faith in Christ. Look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. In verses 3 through 9, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this He says, you greatly rejoice. In this, you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, 
may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. In this you greatly rejoice. And what do we rejoice? We rejoice that His mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. In His mercy, God has saved us. While we were sinners, Scripture tells us Christ died for us. And Wayne, the song that you sang was exactly right. This baby Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, sent from heaven. The baby that was born that night in the manger, heralded by the hosts of heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. That Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas time was born to die. He was born to die. He came from heaven to earth to die on a cross. But because he was a holy God, death could not hold him. Amen. That ought to produce joy in us. You see, that is, that is the hope of glory that no matter what, no matter what else may happen, no matter those moments of darkness or those hours of darkness or those days of darkness or whatever it is, we have the hope of glory. Because God raised him from the dead, we know that we will also. We will also. And those of us who have believed by faith and have been born again and have received an inheritance, it says. We've received an inheritance, eternal life, abundant life, heaven. And it was just, just like it was for the shepherds. Unto you this day is born. The angel announced it was for all people of all time. <clears throat> it was for me. And it was for you. And Peter says, though you've not seen him. By the time Peter's writing this, Jesus has already gone back to heaven. It's decades later. And the people that Peter's writing to had not seen Jesus. But Peter reassures them that Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You know, the normal, the normal attitude of the Christian is to be one of joy. You may not like me saying that, but that's just true. Right? That, that should be how we are. Why? Why? Because just like the angels told the shepherds, 
The presence of God creates joy. The presence of God creates joy. I mean, I think that was the whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Rejoice. The hosts of heaven come to say, why? He's here. The presence of God here on earth has come. The psalmist is nothing really new. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 16 verse 10 says this, You will show me, the psalmist speaking of God, You will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 84 says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God for a day in your courts. Is better than a thousand elsewhere. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing with he, will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's the psalmist David that writes that. He just longs for the presence of God. And, and you know, just to jump ahead a little bit, if you've trusted in Christ, if you have given your life to Christ, if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And you possess the very presence of God all the time. All the time. That's something David couldn't even imagine. And maybe if he had, he'd have lived a little bit different life. You know, in, in Psalm chapter 51, this same David who, who longed for the presence of God, who knew, about, knew the presence of God, how lovely is it, how gracious is it, all of that, right? realized, finally, that sin impaired that. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba and David having Uriah, the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, killed and, and covering it up and just that whole mess that when you read it, you got to say, oh my gosh, what are you doing, David? When Nathan the prophet brought it to his attention, David recognized his sin. And he says in Psalm 51, his prayer of repentance included these words, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, he understood that the presence of God and joy go hand in hand. The presence of God and joy go hand in hand. Paul knew it. Philippians chapter 4. You know, we've, <laughs> we've talked about this for several weeks, particularly on Wednesday nights, but Paul, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is, with, the Lord is present. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing and everything gives thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. And that's the reason that joy is, is not only possible, but, it, but we're commanded to have it in, in all circumstances. Because the, the presence of God is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And it doesn't matter what else might be going on in our life, good or bad, that is first and foremost what we have to have on our, on our minds. Romans chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, I preached on this last week, we have been justified through faith, just as if I've never sinned, justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope and glory of God. We rejoice. We rejoice because we have peace with God. Jesus sent from heaven, live a perfect life, die on a cross, raised again for us. That we might have peace with God and that brings joy. But you know, there's even, there's even more because not only, not only do, do, do we have that joy because of what Christ has done, but as we glorify God, and as we have our joy in Him, He has joy in us. He has joy in us. You know, and... You know, one of the things I read this, this week, and, and it just kind of connected with me because it's like, oh my gosh, that's so true. But something I read said this. It said, you will, you will never be more joyful than in those times in which you are truly worshiping God. And you know what? I know that to be true. Whenever I am in the Word or I'm, I'm, I'm particularly aware of the presence of God in my life, those are the times that my joy is most full. And that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus came to give us. That's what we are to have. Are, are you living? Are you living in what God intends for you to live? One of my favorite passages of Scripture, Psalm 34, says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, you know, there's nothing that describes joy any more than that. Delighting in God and receiving, because of delighting in God, receiving whatever your heart desires. Now, I'm not going to get started on preaching on that, but, you know, that's another one of those things. That let's just leave it at what God said. Right? Delight yourself in Him and He will give you the, the, the desires of your heart. Well, what has happened to us? Where, where, have we, where have we gone so wrong that our joy is dependent upon the circumstances that we have? Where our joy is dependent upon what we possess? Or our joy is dependent on, on whether or not I feel good today or, 
or, our, or whether this relationship with another human being is right or wrong or, or whatever. And can I tell you, it's just this. We believe what our life experiences are more than we believe the Word of God. We need to let the Word of God define the truth of life for us. Worship the Lord. Delight yourself in Him. And He'll give you the desires of your heart. Don't let what's going wrong in your life define what you believe about God. Be convinced that the Lord of glory that sent His Son to die for you loves you. Wants the best for you. And has heaven in store for you. Amen? That's joy. That's joy. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.